Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live at 9 a.m. Central Time from Houston, Texas. This radio show is free all the time to my listeners. I have an archived audio library of spiritual and metaphysical teachings here available free at any time of the day or night to everyone on earth with access to a computer. These shows are educational and most of the time I'll be interviewing others who will be telling about what they know, the books they've written or the spiritual work that they do. And sometimes I'll be the one doing the teaching, so please join us anytime, either live or later in the archives. I have a free email newsletter to sign up for that or just to read what's on my website. Go to hotpinklotus.com. Also, I've published two books so far, Edina, Energy Medicine from the Stars, available on Kindle, and Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives, available on Amazon and Kindle. The second book, Akashic Records, is about Akashic Records readings that I've done for other people and the effects of these readings on their lives. I'm still doing Akashic Records readings, so if you're interested, contact me. The call-in number for this show, if you want to make a comment or ask a question on the air, is 347-945-5309. Well, good morning. Today's date is March the 1st, 2013. And uh, today I also want to announce to everybody that that is a recorded introduction. And I've just uploaded my third book this past week to Kindle. And it's called Sacred Journeys and Vision Quest. And it's about mystical things that have happened to me over actually spanning 40 years. Um, and in, in different sacred sites, sometimes my own neighborhood, sometimes an exotic location. So if you just love to read about travel, you'd like the book. But also, if you're interested at all in how to identify when something uh, extraordinary in the spiritual sense is occurring to you, uh, this is also an excellent book. Or anybody who's interested in mysticism would be interested in this book. Today I'm interviewing a very fascinating man by the name of Greg Kuhn, K-U-H-N, who's written several books about why quantum physicists, and you fill in the blank, the most recent one is Don't Fail. Why quantum physicists don't fail. And this, this guy is referred to frequently, in fact this is his little tag, as the um, law of attraction science guy. He explains a lot of spiritual stuff, like the law of attraction, using quantum physics, which we all love to hear about. So with no further ado, let me introduce Greg Kahn. Hello, Greg. Thank you, Lois. Am Thank I saying you very the right it, Kuhn, actually, yeah. in that, but no worries there. Uh, it's great to start out the month of March, getting to share some time with you. I've really enjoyed your books, and uh, you are such a pleasant person, and uh, your your spirit shines through on the uh, the radio broadcast just as it does in your books. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, you're such a sweetie. Well, let me tell you how much I loved your book. Although I've been reading Law of Attraction since at least '98, those those kinds of things like um, you know the Hicks have been have been channeling the Law of Attraction and all that sort of thing all those years. But also quantum physics since about 1979. I thought I knew everything. And then I read your book. Dude, you put it together in such an incredibly beautiful, perfectly structured way. So because you're a teacher, like I am, and I appreciate that, you put it together so that it was much easier, uh, even for me, to use the principles. Do you mind if I read out the six tools for everybody? Oh, please, go ahead. The first one is always tell the best story possible. When you're trying to create something in your life, always tell the best story possible. Keep it believable. Two, focus on the feelings you want, not the actual thing. Three, meditate daily. Four, fill the mind as often as possible. Tell no stories at all. Making no judgments. Keep the mind in the now. Focus on the environment. Five, feel gratitude as often as possible. Six, 
create and celebrate success. I love it. <laughs> I, I well, I'm glad to hear stuff. it. I love well, it. Well, thank you. Thank you. So the, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. You started out um, in this direction by helping your dad write books, right? That's correct, yes. Why don't you tell us that he, whole story? Well, he's a psychiatrist uh, and became interested in uh, the holistic side of medicine uh, and actually took a sabbatical to go on a comedy caravan and do stand-up comedy for six months uh, because he was – and uh, with apologies to him, he never really has become a stand-up comic. I, I always – sort of hid my head anytime I went to go see him, but he performed on stage and, and it was all in the interest of uh, adjunctive medicine. Uh, he, and still, he, he still writes and teaches and speaks about humor's role and lightness's role in uh, human health and success. And that's where I got started writing. I, I've done, I had done a lot of ghost writing uh, in, uh, in the self-help field, primarily getting started with him and then moving on to some a, a couple other authors um and and it was a lot of fun and you know my it, you mentioned my nickname of the law of attraction science guy and you know I'm 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 thinking back when I was in high school I always thought it people that had nicknames were cool and I always wished I had a nickname and uh nothing ever stuck I even tried to plant a few ideas in people's head but nothing stuck in uh this law of attraction uh i i did encounter it first by reading the hicks books and not to uh, i i'm i've always considered myself an open-minded person but when i heard you know when i read that those books were being channeled uh, that made me a little nervous and to be honest it was wayne dyer's introduction to uh, ask and it is given that I, I guess allowed me to give myself permission, if you will, to read the book and embrace what was inside it. And of course, I'm very happy that I did. And I, I think it's a, a little not not uh, uh, coincidental that some people have said to me that they appreciate. Uh, my approach uh, as being a different approach to teaching about it, although I won't say that when I write my books that I, my intent is to write a law of attraction book as I'm writing it, and then, of course, as I go back and read it and get feedback from readers, it's very obvious to me and to other people that what, I am, what I'm writing about is, is what people study and practice when they uh, practice and study the law of attraction as it is most commonly uh, talked about in our popular culture. Well, you know, I don't know how many people know about the law of attraction in the world, but one, you know, I mean, even in the United States, although we have listeners all over the world here, um, but even in the United States, I don't know what percentage of people know about this stuff, but back in the dark ages when I was one of the only people I knew who was who said things like, um, oh, what, like uh, everything happens for a reason, and people were mm-hmm. right. And now it's coming back. Everybody is yes. considered a saying in the United States, and everybody knows it's true. Once upon a time, it was just hogwash. So it's fascinating to me how the law of attraction was just something the weirdo airy fairy types were like most of my listeners are, <laughs> and they, um, were, were paying attention to. And now larger and larger numbers of people are paying attention and not necessarily people who would consider themselves metaphysical because I don't think you would consider yourself metaphysical at all, would you? Well, I love metaphysics. I really do. And, uh, and, and I've enjoyed reading your books. Although uh, I don't have a frame of reference for a lot of what you write about before I read about it. Uh, I'm open-minded to possibilities. And, uh, you know, I will say that in in regards to the law of attraction, uh, I I think the law of attraction appealed to many people and has and continues to appeal to many people because it connects uh, with them 
in a noetic sense. And if if uh, your listeners aren't familiar with noetic science, that's a growing body of scientific study where uh, people study things that, that are known but can't be readily proven. Uh, a good example might be if you ask me whether I love my mother, I'm going to tell you that I do. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, but then if you ask me to prove that I love my mother, I really I can't do that. And, uh, it, that, you know, that's a very interesting field, and, and, and I think that the law of attraction can be thought of in those regards. However, what I really enjoy is that uh, a lot of the principles, if not all of the principles of the law of attraction, will eventually become the conventional wisdom for the Western world. I don't know, I can't give you a date when that will happen, but it will happen because the way, the reasons we do things the way we do them have always come from science. And our understanding uh, of the way our universe operates because of quantum physics is changing in such dramatic and sometimes incredible ways uh, that soon, in, in the future, perhaps it will be my children, maybe my grandchildren, uh, they will have paradigms, which is a, a paradigm is just a fancy word for the reasons we do things the way we do them. They will hold paradigms that come from quantum physics and will sound a lot like, if not exactly like, the principles that people practice when they practice the law of attraction. And noetic science? is a, let's call it, sciency label for everything metaphysical and spiritual and um, that's been taught by the ancient religions, uh, shamanism, Hinduism, Buddhism, all those things that could not, that were considered, you know, like out there spiritual stuff that no one could prove and, and then, but noetic science is now proving a lot of those things. And so we're very grateful that it allows other people, all the, I think I can speak for a lot of metaphysical types, spiritual types, whatever you want to, mystical types. We're very grateful for for the science that is allowing more and more people to understand reality the way that we do and make that paradigm shift. We're really, I agree. I'm excited, and especially about books like yours that make it so easy that everybody who reads it can get it. I, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, thank you. I, I do think that that uh, my book and and and, uh, and some others that I have read, uh, I use that term "give permission." You know, sometimes it, we all are. You know, I am where I am in terms of my state of being and my perspectives and the neural net that I have established for myself for how I evaluate my life experiences. And sometimes we do need uh, something to have an official stamp of approval, of of approval, if you will, uh, to give us permission to open ourselves up to it. Uh, And, 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 and so, and science uh, has superseded many of the, the pre-established stamps of approval that used to exist prior to the first scientific revolution. And the first scientific revolution, the the science of Isaac Newton, uh, classical physics, if you will, did that. It 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 gave the world a new way to uh, to do things the way they do them, the modern Western world anyway. And of course, those ways of doing things have proven very effective because the Western world is a uh, is a rather uh, miraculous place for many people. Uh, our lives are so much better than they were prior to the first scientific revolution, and that to me is re- it's very exciting to know that the paradigms that we glean from quantum physics, uh, which I write about in the book and teach how to teach you how to use, uh, are even more effective because they're even more aligned with how the universe really operates. So why don't you, um, for the benefit of people who don't really understand how the law of attraction works or who would like to understand it better, explain the science as best you can, keeping it simple, of course, 
because uh, we've got a limited amount of time. Um, right. But how that works to make the law of attraction function. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a topic I love to speak about and never get tired of talking about. And, and I do want to preface uh, anything that I say uh, with the caveat that I don't think you'd have to look very hard to find someone who could speak more authoritatively uh, about quantum physics than me. And I don't say that to demean myself or any of the books that I write, just to say that, that I'm not a scientist by training. I'm a historian. And my interest in quantum physics uh, is is deep and it's profound. It primarily stems from my interest in the reasons people do things the way they do them. And uh, the paradigms, the reasons we do things the way we do them, have always come from science uh, since that first scientific revolution. And so when I study quantum physics, and there's so much of quantum physics that is fascinating, amazing, sometimes it sounds like science fiction. And, uh, in fact, there are some quotes, uh, you know, if from famous physicists that speak to the the wonder of it and you know the 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 lack of a frame of reference sometimes for for a human being to conceptualize the discoveries i would just say that quantum physics has proven itself to be the most accurate and reliable body of science that humankind has ever created so as fantastic as it sounds Quantum physics is not science fiction. In fact, it's much more real in terms of measurement than classical physics is even. Um, and, and primarily, uh, when when we talk about quantum physics, uh, there's a very famous physicist named Richard Feynman who uh, is he's was probably in some ways the Einstein of our generation. Uh, in terms of his prolific writing and teaching. And he says, he has a quote, and I'll paraphrase the quote, where he says, uh, anything that you want to know about any question that you have about quantum physics, the answer is the double-slit experiment. Anything you want to know, just say it's the double-slit experiment. And uh, anyone who's unfamiliar with that experiment, what that experiment proves repeatedly over and over again is that the that light does not exist prior to its observation in a preformed state. It exists as a possibility. And once it is observed, it takes a form. And the form that it takes is dictated by the expectations of the observer. Uh, it it does it, light can be a photon and it can be a wave but it doesn't exist as a photon or a wave prior to observation. It exists as a mere possibility. And it's our observation and, more importantly, our expectation for the form that it takes uh, that dictates the actual physical form. So the subatomic material, the Legos, if you will, of all you know material objects in our universe, prior to their observation, exist in a state of pure potential. An, an atom is not really a thing until it's observed. It is it is a possibility. And, and quantum physicists refer to something called the quantum possibility wave. And what we now know is that prior to human observation or, or human awareness being placed upon the quantum field, which is the field of unformed energy, the field of all possibilities. Uh, there is no material world. You know, the old metaphysical question, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there, does it make a sound? Well, it turns out that the answer to that question is, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there, there's no forest. And so we are, we are literally the architects of what we experience in our life. In a, in a scientific way. And my interest in how that can be utilized by people and what I write and teach about, by how that can be utilized by us, is not uh, really found in the fantastic, if you will. I don't uh, see any value in talking about 
whether uh, I can fly or breathe water or whether I can make the grass in my lawn become purple uh, because I don't know any way to do that. And there are some I, some reasonable, profound, and logical scientific uh, explanations for why I can't do that. And it really has to do with my beliefs. And that's why I teach about storytelling in my books because the, the stories that we tell, and I use that term story to refer to the meaning and value that we assign to every single life experience we have, creates a neural net in our brain. It creates, and, and that neural net becomes a belief. And our beliefs uh, create our expectations. And our expectations then tell the quantum field what to form. And it, it's, it's actually a very simple process. Uh, it, and it's something that we do every moment that we're conscious, uh, whether we're aware of it or not, whether we're doing it consciously or not, we're, we're always doing it. So uh, for me, the empowerment part, part of the empowerment of what I teach is that uh, since we're already doing it 24-7, every moment of our life on this planet, it, I, I ask myself the question, why wouldn't I want to do it in a more conscious fashion, in a, in a way that aligns me as greatly as possible with what my desires are for myself and my life? Exactly, which is why uh, I tell people, be careful what you think about because you're going to draw it to yourself because of the law of attraction and also which is backed up by quantum physics, the more you focus on something, the more you magnetize it into reality. So when you worry, you're using your energy to create that which you do not want. That, that, is, that is literally true. Uh, and, and I'm repeating myself a bit here, but what, I, what it's important for your listeners to know about what science tells us now is that your expectations uh, create the material world because your expectations tell the unformed potential of the uncollapsed po quantum possibility wave what to form uh, for you to, uh, to see and experience in the material world. And your expectations are derived from your beliefs. And so... Since the belief is a subjective, uh, habitual neural net, I mean it's subjective. You and I, Lois, we can we can both go see, uh, you know, Argo, and and you walk out and say, well, I can see why that you know why that movie won the Oscar. It's the best movie I've ever seen. And I can say, eh, I could take it or leave it. I didn't think it was all that great. And and all of us know that. Uh, through that example that, well, you know, the the evaluation of a movie is subjective. Lois has a specific set of criteria that she has established for herself through practice thought that tells her what a good movie is and what a bad movie is. And the same is true for Greg. He, you know, he has the same personal set of expectations that he's created through habitual thought. And your evaluation of the movie isn't the right evaluation, uh, and, and neither is mine, except for ourselves. You know, your belief about what a good movie is is right for you, but it's not universally true. And that's pretty easy for us all to accept. The 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 next step for us is to is to embrace the idea, the true idea, and the life changing idea that our beliefs about everything are exactly the same. Our beliefs about, you know, what is good and what is bad are completely subjective, and they're not universally true. They are true for us, and we can create new beliefs if we so choose, and and that's what I teach in the book is a method to create new beliefs which will automatically command the quantum field to begin to form a new physical reality for us which is much more pleasing, of course, if we're consciously and conscientiously uh, building new beliefs for ourselves. And obviously, we're going to do that 
with areas of our life where we're experiencing frustration and pain, areas of our life where we're not achieving our desires, where there's a, a distance between what we desire and what we're experiencing. Those are the areas of life where I can step back and say, you know, why do I continue to uh, hold these beliefs that are are not aligned with my desires? And if I want to, I can begin to build new ones for myself. And what all of this all of this business points to is the power of consciousness, the power uh, of our individual and collective consciousness to create reality, which goes back to ancient spiritual teachings like Jesus who said, Know ye not ye are gods and sons of the Most High. Almost every religion has at its core the founders, the Buddhas, the Mohammeds, all those people have said that we are creators. And that's what they're talking about is the very nature of quantum physics. Yes. So, yeah. And so the more we understand the nature of our own consciousness, the more awake and aware we are of as to what's real. And if anybody's wondering, well, where do they get all this about quantum physics? It's all over the place out there. Dancing Wooly Masters in 79 by Gary Zukov, who's a psychologist. Um, another really good book that's much more re- recent is... Um, um, what a second. The Field by Lynn McTaggart. And the second mm-hmm. one is The Intention Experiment by Lynn McTaggart. She's got several yes. books out about about this where she is working with quantum physicists creating, first of all, in the field, describing their work and its implications. And second of all, uh, in The Intention Experiment, she's got a website going where you can go and participate yourself in using your consciousness with a group of other people at a particular time to create an event in the world. Or yes. like to so and then James Twyman's prayer project back in the nineties. Anyway, um so it's not like Greg's just making this up. Uh it's all no. there are quantum physicists who have worked with lots of other people who I can't read quantum physics, but I can read what other people who have talk to these physicists have written it. And of course there are some of those physicists themselves who have written readable books. And I'm I'm gonna s i am i mean I can't read the, the math, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake's really a great one. So um but what Greg does it is makes it so much more accessible to the average person to understand how to apply it. And that's and, what and I love I can, about the book. Well thank you. And, I, and I'm I'm a fan of most, if not all, of those authors you mentioned. I, you know, I, if if you if you allow me, I can give you a pretty tangible example of oh, how how this process works for me. How I've used quantum physics. I, at this point in my life, I am very comfortable financially. Uh, my beliefs about money are are very well aligned with my desires for money. And uh, I, I want to also throw in a caveat here and say that one of the things that I found, and I know that this is not new to you and won't be news to your listeners, is that when our beliefs become aligned with our desires, our desires grow. And so my title, Why Quantum Physicists Do Not Fail, is is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek reference because I expect throughout my life to continue to encounter uh, my beliefs not being as great as my desires because my desires continue to grow as my beliefs become in alignment with them. And and that's a beautiful process. That's not something that frustrates me. It's something that I expect and even embrace, and I write about that in the book, how you know we don't need to beat ourselves up when we find that we're not achieving our dreams, our goals, our desires, because that's merely an opportunity for us to grow our beliefs. And the bad feelings that we have, uh, because it, it it does feel bad to be out of alignment with our desires and to be on the outside looking in, if you will. Uh, that's like sticking a thermometer in my mouth. And I don't beat myself up when I find that I have a temperature. I just say, oh, I have a temperature. There's some things that, that I can do and probably need to do to take care of myself. Well, the same thing's true when I experience the bad feelings 
of being out of alignment with my desires. Uh, those bad feelings uh, act as a thermometer. They signal me that uh, my beliefs are not as grand as the desire that I have, and then I can simply say, oh, it's time to, to build a bigger and better belief system about this. And that's knowing that knowing how real it, it is, how possible it is, and how completely that it does work, I'm no longer frightened by the absence of one of my desires. And I, I think back to a time in my life when it, about eight years ago, eight to nine years ago, and I'm I'm actually writing one of the next books in the series right now. It's going to be about money because money has been a huge issue for me, and I know that's not an uncommon thing to say. Most of us experience that from time to time in our lives. If not, experiencing that is one of the most common frustrations. Um, but I had a almost fantastic need for money because of some pretty bad decisions that I made. And I write about this in the current book, Why Quantum Physicists Do Not Fail, but I'll go into more detail about it in the new book that I'm writing now. But I, I needed a tremendous amount of money at that time. And at the time I was doing ghostwriting that I described uh, for you earlier, and I walked out to my mailbox, and I remember this very vividly. It was a spring day. And, uh, and I walked out to my mailbox and opened the mailbox, and there was, among the mail, uh, there was a, a, a royalty check. And I, when I saw this, I thought, oh, great, great, you know, here's a royalty check. I, you know, I need money. And I opened up the envelope right there, standing in the street, excitedly, and I saw that the check was for $101.23. And my reaction to that check well, I can't tell you exactly what I said because this is a, a family-oriented radio show. <laughs> but I will tell you that I doled out, liberally doled out some very choice curse words towards God or the universe or source energy, whatever label that is, is most comfortable. And the essence of what I was saying is, are you kidding me? This is what you're giving me? You know, stick this up your rear end. You know, this this is this is a drop in the bucket. This, this is an insult to me that you would give this to me. This this does nothing for me. And in the middle of that rant, I was, you know, struck almost by a bolt of lightning as I realized, wait a minute. Here's money. I need money. If this is my reaction to receiving money, according to what I'm learning and deciding to start to practice in my life, how in the world could more money be coming to me if this is my response to money? And as as I took a further step back and realized, you know, what what are my real beliefs about money? You know, I and and like many people, I grew up. Uh, I, I think some very well-intentioned folks uh, transferred to me some beliefs about money that I could describe as, you know, it. You're, I'm greedy if I want more of it. Uh, it's bad if I get more of it. I'm taking it away from other people. Money is scarce. Money is limited. Uh, people who have uh, as much money as they want are morally wrong or morally bankrupt and they're doing bad things uh, in order to uh, have that experience. And I And I knew that there's no way that I could experience the financial abundance that I desired with those beliefs. So I made a decision to begin to tell myself new stories about money. I, I knew that was my solution. And indeed, it has been my solution. And I will say that, you know, you read those six tools. And I want to I add an amendment. And in, in, in this, I talk about this a lot in the book. Aside from telling the best feeling story, it's also important for me to tell a believable story. And so where I was starting from, uh, it was not, it would not have been believable for me to say, well, I believe that I'm going to go to the mailbox and find a check for $500,000. You know, I could say that every moment that I was awake and I still wouldn't believe it. Uh, right. and, 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 you know, truly, 
uh, I decided that I would start looking for pennies on the ground. I said, let me start with, and that was very believable to me. I can find pennies on the ground. Pennies are, you know, essentially worthless, and people discard them, and I can find them. And when I find them, I'm going to exalt them. I'm going to sing to the universe as if I've just been given a treasure chest full of gold. And it, and not because of the monetary value of the penny, but because this is a, a sign and a reminder from the universe that, that uh, the quantum field is infinite, it is uh, unbound, it is uh, complete, it is full of all possibilities, and that the universe can respond to me as readily with my desires as it can respond to me with the things that I don't like. And so I did that. I started finding pennies, and I began to find pennies almost on command, if you will, for lack of a better term. And, and I still, every time I find a penny, I uh, I do that. I, I privately throw a celebration and, and, and exalt it. And the funny thing is, about a year later, I decided to... I decided I felt so good about money and my money issues had been resolved and and I was experiencing so much financial abundance that I decided to to start uh, to to upgrade if you will to dimes. I said I you know I now believe I can find dimes. I want to find dimes and I'm going to do the same thing with dimes. And you know what? You know what I find now? I find dimes. Cool. And uh, and it, it, the, it's funny I was thinking the other day that uh I haven't felt motivated to move up to quarters, but I guess eventually one day I'll I'll just play with that and, and start to find quarters as well. But it but it really works. Now a penny isn't what I needed, a penny isn't what I wanted, and a penny wasn't the answer to my desires. But a penny is where I needed to start. You know, it was believable to me. And and it grew and it you know what we found is that telling the best believable story that I can muster about any life experience becomes like a snowball rolling down a hill because the universe responds to that more positive, believable story that I'm telling. And if I, as long as I practice it, I create a spiritual muscle memory. And just like driving my car to work every day, I could I take the same route to work every day and I could almost do it with my eyes closed, although I don't recommend that. Please don't do that. But uh, you know what I'm speaking about. I know exactly where to downshift. I know exactly where the traffic is going to get heavy. I know exactly how long it takes to drive from this portion of the route to this to the next portion of the route. And, well, telling new stories is like that as well because every time I tell a new story, I'm firing neurons or electrical energy through the neurons in my brain, building a new neural net that with enough practice, and that, that it might be a week, it might be a month, it might be you know nine months or a year and a half, but over the course of time, that new neural pathway becomes habitual, and it builds a new belief for me, and it builds, and from that belief come new expectations, and the snowball rolling down the hill effect comes because as my beliefs grow, I'm open to new possibilities. I see new things in my material reality that reflect those beliefs and those expectations. And then it becomes easier to tell an even better believable story and then better and then better and then better until eventually now it does not surprise me in the least when I encounter, you know, a $10,000 check. I, you know, I'm humbled, I'm grateful, but I don't feel unworthy of it. You know, I feel grateful and that it's a reflection of my value coming back to me from the universe, but it doesn't surprise me and it doesn't scare me and it doesn't make me feel, you know, wonder whether or not I deserve it. And that's an important process. Yeah, I love that. That That's awesome. So since we have time, let's run through a, a really brief example of how do you go from thinking you'll never find a love interest or a relationship to having a really great one? What would be the first step that's equivalent of finding a penny on the street? If you haven't well, made it years, let's say. And there are yeah, a lot no, of the, Yes, go ahead. I, I agree. 
I no, I agree, and that's that's a great question. And actually, that's in the queue. A book about relationships is in the queue. And oh. what I would say is that you, you know, if in terms of and and, I, and I'm a very uh, happy man and a wonderful, loving marriage that more than meets my desires, and I haven't always been able to say that. Uh, and for me, where that would start is, you know, a, a better feeling, believable story about other people. And whatever the stories that I'm currently telling myself about meeting people and connecting with people, it's important for me to start with with stories that I can believe. And that an example of that might be, uh, rather than saying to myself, gosh, I never meet anybody, nobody's interested in me, I never meet anybody of quality, where are all the good men or women, uh, whatever the preference is, uh, I might say to myself, you know, today when I go out to do my grocery shopping, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be open to just making a connection with somebody. Uh, and, and I'm going to put a smile on my face, and I'm and I'm going to have an inviting look on my face, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk and and offer a pleasant salutation to each person that I see, whether it's a nod of the head or a hello, or maybe a a, a comment or a question about a food item that that they're purchasing that's similar to something I'm looking for, and I'm gonna be open to seeing where that goes and. And I'm going to believe that that there are people out there, even if someone of uh, a gender that I'm not attracted to, uh, I'm going to be open to making a connection. And I I can believe that there are friendly people out there that are open to having a dialogue with me and and just being friendly. And and, and so no pressure. I'm just going to go to the grocery store and see who I can connect with. It's an adventure. It's fun. Uh, and and sh- and and I know that there'll be somebody in there, even if it's the clerk at the, you know, at the checkout line, that I can have a, a, a connected, friendly moment with, and that's very believable, and that and certainly very because it's very possible, and we can see that that's uh, something that can happen, and then when that connection does occur, I'm going to say to myself, what a wonderful sign from the universe. That person is not my future soulmate, I don't think. I wasn't necessarily physically or emotionally attracted to that person as a as a potential mate or someone that I want to have a romantic relationship with. But what a wonderful sign from the universe that there are always people out there that I can meet and connect with. And and, and isn't it nice to know that I'm not alone and that I'm a person who other people can see uh, the value in and, and want to be friendly with. And then I can, what I'm doing when I do that is I'm reforming my practice thoughts, my habitual thoughts, so I can create uh, neural pathways that say that being out and around other people is not a situation where I'm under pressure. It's not a situation where there's an expected outcome that must occur. There's not a prescribed series of events that have to unfold in a certain way for me to achieve my desire. I can simply connect with people. And that is not, obviously, the ultimate outcome that's desired by somebody who really would love to have an intimate and fulfilling romantic relationship. But it's a great place to start because through those new beliefs, what we'll find is that as we build those pathways, because we're practicing them, because the next time we go out into public, whether it's to work or maybe to a a social event or a church event or some kind of community where I'm out and around other people, I'm I'm probably going to need to focus on consciously telling that type of story again because it's not yet habitual. But the more I do it, and the more habitual it becomes, and the more it becomes my practice neural net, and, the, and henceforth the more it becomes my belief system, it will then create new expectations that the quantum field will be responding to. And I'll find that I'm making connections with more and more people. And through that process, I'll be inspired to take new actions, to take to tell new, even better feeling stories. Because the next 
logical step might be to say, you know, I'm finding that some of the people I'm talking to are desirable. And they're speaking with me, and I am making a connection. And no, we're not going out on a date together. And no, nobody seems to be interested in, you know, getting into a committed relationship with me at this point. But I can certainly see that I'm making connections with people. And, you know, I'm, I can believe that it's possible that uh, I can make a, a connection that's even more fulfilling, although I'll still just keep myself open to making the connection. And, you know, it's, it's funny because there was a time in my life when I did get nervous in social settings if I went to a party. And, uh, and I, you know, wondered about who was going to be there and what I might say to that person, what the outcome might be. And to think of it and to learn to think of it as an opportunity to have adventures, an opportunity to make connections. It takes a lot of the pressure off. And I reached a point in my life where, with relationships, where I knew that every time I left my house, that I was probably going to meet somebody who I connected with. And sometimes those connections would result in in an interest between the two of us to have, to explore, uh, you know, the possibility of a romantic relationship. And I began to expect those things to happen. And guess what? They happened. Once I expect them to happen, they happen. So I would encourage anybody in in that sense, you know, if the desire is for romance, to follow a course like I just described because it will work with time and with practice. And a big piece of that is getting, uh, celebrating, in other words, uh, feeling the excitement of seeing or making every connection that you make because that's part of what rewires the neurons. The neural pathways are rewired in part because of the emotional gratitude, celebration, excitement, and, yeah, there are people out there I can connect with for a short conversation. And if there are those, then there's more and more and more. And a lot of that's just becoming conscious of the significance of the little thing, just like finding a penny on the street. That's right. You know, it's funny. Uh, My wife and I had a conversation a few years ago, and uh, somebody had made the comment that they really appreciated this particular woman who was a friend of ours because she always tells it like it is. And my observation to my wife is that isn't it funny that in our you know, everyday conversations, people who are, and this woman who we were speaking about tended to have a pretty negative view about things or a negative spin. She told negative stories primarily. That's what she shared with us. Uh, it, it, it's It's funny, isn't it, that people who tell negative stories are often labeled as people who aren't afraid to tell it like it is. And, uh, you know, what I would counter is that what it is is what we choose it to be. And, you know, I had the the experience uh, around uh, Christmas this year. A very good friend of mine had a child who was very desperately ill. And uh, he the, the little boy now has recovered. He's home. He's fine. But at the time, they really weren't sure. He was in intensive care, and they his, his uh, kidneys had failed, and they weren't sure if he was going to survive. And while I was there visiting her, and we were crying on each other's shoulders, uh, a doctor came in and gave some news. It, and, and I'm not a doctor, so forgive me. I can't remember the, all the, the technical terminology, but it had to do with a platelet count uh, in his bloodstream that had to do with how his liver was processing. And the the count needed to be, uh, I, let's say it needed to be 500. And his count had been 60,000. So he was on a dialysis machine. And the doctor came in to say, hey, his, his new count is 30,000. And my friend said, that's not good enough. That's not what he needs. And And not trying to be Pollyannish, I said, yeah, but you know what? It can't get to 500 without first getting to 30,000, you know, and it can't get to 500 without first getting to 20,000. So in other words, we don't have to look at uh, coincidences or minor occurrences uh, in our life as 
Now, that's not what I want. That's not enough. That's not good enough. We can look at those things, as you just said, and we can learn to celebrate those things by telling different stories about them. And just as you said, you know, gratitude, because that's one of the six tools is practice gratitude. Gratitude is like a secret superpower to me. Uh, if I can find ways to be grateful about things, it's, I, I feel like I'm a member of the Avengers and, I, and I'm gratitude man because gratitude, when it's practiced conscientiously and consciously, has such an amazing effect. You mentioned Lynn McTaggart, and I'm a big fan of her uh, writing about the scientific research into the power of intention. And in, in the power of intention, which is very quantifiable, is multiplied by an incredible degree based on the 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 emotion that we put behind it you know the 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 amount of good feeling that we can muster whatever we can muster at the time that's believable and put towards that intention if that intention is to celebrate if that intention is to glorify if that intention is to exalt the as as we might you know and put in quotes the small things those small things will grow and as our beliefs grow and and as we exalt those things we're changing our beliefs that's a very real process that i teach uh and it really works and and the thing that excites me of course is the science behind it and and why it works and and that helps me uh, to continue to practice it fervently as I do. Uh, although at this point in my life, I certainly see enough tangible results and have seen enough tangible results that I no longer doubt the effectiveness of it in any way. I just am so happy to talk to you today because you're putting into uh, understandable language stuff that is really hard to put into understandable language. And I want to say to anybody listening or to everybody listening now or later in the archives who has a friend or family member that you want to help um, in some way to come closer to being happy and finding what they want in life, that Greg's book, um, it, particularly people who are not into to the spiritual stuff or the metaphysical stuff, um, but who need hard scientific proof of you know how to manifest a, a world that a reality around them that works for them and makes them happy and doesn't make their friends and family unhappy, as is often the case. Um, that you recommend that that they start out by reading Greg's book. It's Greg Kuhn, K-U-H-N, Why Quantum Physicists Don't Fail. And it's on Amazon and Kindle. It is a very understandable, logical, scientifically backed up um, explanation of not only the law of attraction, the way quantum physics physics and the world, the reality we actually do live in and are, most of us are unaware that we live in, the way all of that works um, so that we can function in the world in a more fully self-conscious or conscious of ourselves kind of way. Uh, again, the name of his book is Why Quantum Physicists Don't Fail, and his name is Greg Kuhn, K-U-H-N, and it, you can find them on Amazon and Kindle. And didn't you say that that particular one of the book in your series uh, is, is that on KDP Select or is it on Kindle Select? It, it, or it, it is. And I, if, yes. If uh, Two things. Number one is if you search for it on Amazon, make sure that you write why quantum physicists do not fail. Although I'm, probably if you put in don't fail, it would find it for you. Uh, and also, I want to add that uh, if uh, if somebody's listening to this broadcast and it's and it it it's not past uh, tomorrow, which is March second, the book is free right now. So uh, I would highly recommend that you go to Amazon and download it right now because 
I don't think you'll find a better price for it. Okay, and the normal price is not that much anyway. No, it's like a couple couple cups of coffee at Starbucks, definitely. Um, and, and and it's funny because and it, thank you so much for saying that. And and you know I, I'm I'm overjoyed on a couple levels. One is uh, that that you are saying that and that I have heard that. Uh, I'm I'm hearing so much wonderful feedback from the book. It's very gratifying uh, to know that people are connecting with it. That was absolutely the intent of every word that I put into it is to make that kind of a connection and to elicit that sort of understanding and to allow that awakening within the reader. Uh, and also it, it's, it gratifies me to be able to hear praise like that and say thank you and to know that uh, I'm worthy of it. And I I say that just to, to illustrate that that's not a belief that I always held. I used to – there was a time in my life when praise like that would make me question my own, you know, am I worthy of receiving that? And and that's just another endorsement of the the very real and tangible system of reforming our beliefs and how amazingly it impacts the the physical world we see. It's funny because the the process comes from if you will rocket science, but using it is not rocket science. Using it is actually it's very simple and it requires merely requires an open mind and willingness. Do you have a website you want to send people to in addition to the Amazon page? Oh, I would love to hear questions or comments or people share their experiences with me. Uh, I love hearing from people who are practicing this method, who are who are becoming more self-actualized and experiencing more of their desires. Even if it doesn't stem directly from reading my book, I I love hearing about people's success because I, it, what it does is it allows me to vicariously share. And, uh, and so tell and, them and so, Tell them the name of your yeah, absolutely. It's w, it is www.yquantumphysicists.wordpress.com. And I, I keep it updated regularly with uh, stories uh, and tips and techniques and uh, personal anecdotes regarding this process that we're speaking about and uh, very much enjoy hearing feedback from people. Okay, and I'm going to go back and put that on the show page because it isn't there, just the Amazon page. So I'll go back and revise that. So you'll be able to find it on the show page. Okay, thank you one ten billion jillion for being here today. This has been a very fun and informative uh, interview and um Everybody that came to listen, thank you for listening. And don't be afraid to share the link to this show page with your friends and family who can benefit from this understanding. And I want to thank you for being here and the listeners for being here. And everybody come back next week. And Lois, the pleasure has been mine. It's been fun. It's such a joy to talk to you. You are such a wonderful person. I completely understand why you have legions of uh, loyal and devoted fans. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You are so sweet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.